0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. How many of you were here when Hurricane Harvey hit in Corpus? Good amount, good amount. So that was three years ago. Three years ago, Hurricane Harvey came through. And if you remember, so that was I'm I'm from Chicago, so we deal with blizzards and everything up there. Honestly, when I moved down here, I didn't even think about hurricanes. I didn't even think about being next to the water. Uh, but what I remember is on Monday of that week, I was watching the news and somebody said, "Oh, there. Just so you know, there might be a little rain this week." Like okay. And then Tuesday, oh, there's a tropical depression forming in the Gulf, and I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, I was like, you know, why, why is it depressed? What's going on? <laughs> so I talked to some of the locals around here. Oh, that's kind of the first part of what possibly could be a trop- tropical storm, and then, oh, okay, fine. Wednesday, hey, it's moving our direction. It's past the Yucatan Peninsula, and now it's actually kind of in that Gulf, and it's on the way, just so you know. Still a tropical depression. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Everything's sunny. It's perfectly fine. Thursday, it was, hey, it has a d- potential to develop. Just keep your eye out for it. And then by Friday, it was everyone get out or you're going to be dead type thing. <laughs> and so I'm new in the area, and so I'm kind of looking at all the locals, right? And they're like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. We made it through. What was the, what was the really big one that hit uh, back in the 70s? Cel- Celia? Oh, we made it through Celia. Everything's going to be just fine. So I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, you know, I'm the newbie here. I got to kind of not show everyone how scared I am. And so I'm asking around, are, are you leaving? Are you leaving? No, no, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. By Friday, everyone was leaving. All the people who told me throughout the week, I wouldn't leave, I was born in Corpus and I'm going to die in Corpus type thing. <laughs> And suddenly, by Friday, I mean, San Antonio was looking really good. And so I reached out to the, to the pastor at the time. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're going to go. So we ended up leaving. Church was canceled on that Sunday. Uh, and that was an, that was a big deal. Um, but a handful of you decided to stay. How many of you stayed through Hurricane Harvey? A handful. Holy cow, It's half the church. Wow, goodness, you decided to stay. One of these families being the Petrie family. <laughs> and they stayed through the storm, and at one part during the storm, they heard a little crack outside, which was followed by a big crack outside. And their ash tree, their, I would say, 30 to 40 foot tall ash tree, falls on their house. And in the middle of the storm, he and Cole had to go out there. Cassidy was of no help at all. Neither was <laughs> neither was Miss Gina. Uh, had to go outside and start cutting down that tree. Good thing nobody was hurt. But I remember on Sunday, um, I met the Petries at their home, and we're trying to remove this tree. And there's still about I would say eight to nine feet of this stump, an enormous stump. Uh, you, could not, you couldn't reach around it, and then, but there was one part of it just kind of still sticking up, and so we were trying to pull that down, and it took us about two hours to do it. We, we didn't have any good rope. We ended up tying uh, an extension cord around it, and we pulled the extension cord, and it just shredded the extension cord, um, but I remember looking at that tree. I still have a video of it. And uh, trying to move that down, and uh, I just told Brother Rusty, I said, you know, how are you going to get the stump out? And he said, I have no idea how I'm going to get the stump out. And I said, you should carve it into the shape of a Confederate general, and someone will come and just remove it for you. (laughs) Absolutely free. Uh, But we were looking at it, and I I remember looking at that tree thinking, how are we going to get that down? I mean, it seemed absolutely impossible. Difficult, time-consuming. And then I read this text here. And Jesus says, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, that's a big tree, be thou plucked up from the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now, I don't understand that. But God says what he means, and God means what he says. If if our Jesus said it, he meant it, and it's absolutely true. What is Jesus saying? In this statement, Jesus is teaching his disciples, you know, if humans would just have faith, you would see some incredible things done. If humans just had some faith, you would see the impossible accomplished. Through faith, what seems impossible is made possible. What seems enormous can become small. What seems small can be made much. What seems difficult can become easy. What seems unclear can become clear. And the reason I want to preach this is because tonight is our vision night. We're looking forward to what God would have us do as a church in 2021. And I don't know about you, but I think you're agreeing with me. We don't just want to coast through this year. We don't just want to climb some hills this year. We want to see some mountains moved by faith this year. We want to see God do some incredible things in us and through us and for us this year. And I believe that God wants that as well. But if it's going to happen, we must have faith in God. So I'm going to preach just three points here very simply. On Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Do You see, first of all, their request in verse 5. The request. Three points, they all begin with R. First one, the request in verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. This request would be wonderful to say at any point in time. Uh, It's kind of a universal request. But this request here didn't just come out of nowhere. The apostles made this request at a specific moment in time for a reason. Wherever they went, Jesus always took the time to teach them how to be a disciple. Remember, a disciple is where we get the word discipline. Not every believer is a disciple. Not every believer is a Christian. Jesus was always taking time to teach them what it looked like to be a disciple. He taught them what it looked like when a disciple prayed. He taught them how a disciple is supposed to pray, which is with importunity, a word that we don't use a lot, But you knock and you knock and you knock and you knock and you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask and you seek and you seek and you seek until you find. That is how you're supposed to pray. You pray through your situation, not just once and then move on from it, but you constantly ask and you constantly seek and you constantly knock until the Lord answers. I've heard you pray until he answers your prayer or he changes your prayer. But he taught them how to pray. He taught them how a disciple is supposed to serve, which is wholeheartedly. He taught them how a disciple is supposed to witness, which is boldly. He taught them how a disciple is supposed to give when he was standing uh, next to that offering plate and he saw all the men give of their riches, but then that lady came and gave of her penury, gave just of her two mites. And what he told them at that point, it's not about how much you give, it's about how much you sacrifice. That is what the Lord is looking at. He taught them what a disciple is supposed to look like when they love. He says, you've heard before that you love those who love you and you hate your enemies. But I'm teaching you as my disciple, you love even your enemies. And you pray for those who hate you and uh, those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And in verse 1 through 4 of Luke chapter 17, he took the time to teach his disciples how they are supposed to forgive. What does it look like for a disciple to forgive? And it seems that this lesson on forgiveness, and I'm sure coupled with all of the other lessons that Jesus was constantly teaching them, it seems to have brought the disciples to, or the apostles to a realization. They seem to say, if we will ever live the way that God wants us to live, if we will ever do what God is expecting us to do, We're going to need more faith. There's a reason the Bible says in four separate places, the just shall live by faith. You are saved by faith. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by anything that you do. You are saved by grace through faith. But then you are supposed to live in that faith. Salvation is just the first step of your life. Of your, of your new spiritual life, there's so much more to do. The Bible teaches you all about growth. I could take 10 verses from the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, 100%. But how much, how much more of the Bible is there? 1,189 chapters in the Bible. What is that for? That's for growth. Not just teaching you how to be saved by faith, but how to live by faith. Four times the just shall live by faith. Because think about this. What is a just person supposed to do? What is a saved person supposed to do? A saved person is supposed to live the way God wants us to live. We're supposed to do what God wants us to do. We're supposed to give the way God wants us to give. To love the way God wants us to love. To pray the way God wants us to pray. Witness the way God wants us to witness. Not the way we want to do those things And it does not take long to notice that there is a vast difference between God's way of doing things and our way of doing things. And because of that difference, if we're going to do things God's way, we're going to need faith. A lot more faith than we have now. Let me explain. Isaiah 55, 8, this is God talking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. One of the biggest differences... between between man's way of doing things and God's way of doing things is man's way makes sense and God's way does not. Man's way makes sense to us. God's way does not. If God's way made sense to us, we would always do things God's way. But our way In our little finite mind, so often makes more sense to us. And that is why we often choose our way instead of God's way. For instance, look at God's way of forgiveness that he just talked to him about in verse 3 and 4. Look here. Look at God's way of forgiveness. Take heed to yourselves, verse 3. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. That doesn't make sense to me. Does that make sense to you? That doesn't make sense. Think of man's way of forgiveness. When somebody hurts you, when somebody offends you, don't rub it out, rub it in. If they ask for forgiveness, Fine. If you want to forgive and forget, fine, but make sure you remind them every day of how you forgot. That is man's way of forgiveness. And if you forgive, put a wall up. Because they're not going to hurt you again. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be tender hearted. I'm not gonna put myself in a position to be hurt again. Once trust is lost, never give it back. Forgive them, but avoid them. Don't talk to them. Give them the cold shoulder. And oh, the horror if they hurt us again. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to my sinful flesh. Because I have acted that way to other people. People that I've trusted. People that I thought they would never hurt me. And then they turn around and they stab you right in the back. And you think, I don't want to give them another chance to do that. God's way and man's way don't match as far as forgiveness is concerned. Look at man's way of succeeding in life. Man says, live for yourself. God's way of succeeding in life is lose your life for my sake and you'll find it. That doesn't make sense. If you want to find your life, lose it. That doesn't make sense. And I can go on and on, but for sake of time, here's all I'm trying to bring out. If we are going to live the way God wants us to live, if we are going to do the things that God wants us to do and love the way God wants us to love and forgive the way God wants us to forgive, we are going to need faith to believe that God's way is better than our way. We're going to need faith to believe that even when our way seems right, the end thereof are the ways of death. We need faith, a lot more faith than we have now. Faith to believe that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is what 1 Corinthians says, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring not the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It is natural to look at our way and think that it is better than God's way. It is, it is our fleshly nature to think my way makes more sense than God's way. So that's what I'm going to believe in. Think about man's way of going to heaven. Man's way of going to heaven is you better do something. You better find a way to get there because how many of you are sinners? Okay, yeah, we all admit that. Everybody admits that they're a sinner. But then the Bible says you have to admit not only are you a sinner, but even one sin is enough to send you to hell for all of eternity. Now, whoa, 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 wait a second. Man's Way doesn't agree with that. Man's Way says, as long as my good outweighs my bad, then I can go to heaven. But let's be honest. I read a quote from uh, Spurgeon the other day. He said, I remember the morning I woke up and I resolved never to sin again and I sinned before breakfast. Have you ever made that decision before, and I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, and maybe you don't do anything, but somebody cuts you off on the way to work, and you just think it. The Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. Every single day that we live, we are adding tons and tons of sin to our record that we would have to undo Even if you lived the rest of your days here on earth, let's say you're 30 years old and you had 40 years left to live. Let's say that you lived every single day from 30 all the way to 70 and you never sinned one more time. You wouldn't even be close to overcoming all of the sin that we have added to our account. Man's way is a religious way. Man's way is do, do, do. I have to do something. I need to say this many Hail Marys or I need to outdo my bad or I need to give to charity. I need to give to the poor. I need to do something. And God says, no, no, no. My, my way is done. It's already done. It's nothing that you can do. It's already done. You just trust in me. That doesn't make sense. And so often we trust in our way more than God's way because we don't have faith. You cannot trust in God's way without faith. You will not taste one, one bit of breath in, in heaven without faith. If you, try to, if you try to get there on your own, if you try to, okay, I'll take Jesus plus something or Jesus minus something, you will not get to heaven. You must have faith. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So many times we look at our way and we look at God's way and we doubt that God's way is better, but doubt is an insult to Almighty God. You would never come up and slap me in the face. I don't think so. But many people slap the Lord in the face because we doubt his word. Doubt always asks, can God, but faith always answers, God can Their request, increase our faith. That needs to be ours this morning. And then number two, look at the reality. Verse six, and the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. How humbling it must have been for those disciples to say, Lord, increase our faith. Our faith is too small to do what you're asking us to do. We need more. And then to hear Jesus respond, you know, if... If you had faith the size of the grain of mustard seed, what a reality shock that their faith was a lot smaller than they thought it was. Can you imagine something with me? Imagine if Jesus would have asked them, how much faith do you think you need in order to forgive your brother seven times in one day? Their answer would have been, "Uh, I, I think we need a lot more faith than we have right now. And what if Jesus would have said, well, quantify it for me. Think of all the faith that you would need in order to forgive your brother seven times in one day and compare it to something physical. What would they have said? Maybe they would have said, Lord, we need faith the size of a horse or faith the size of a chariot in order to do something like that. And then imagine if Jesus were to come back and say, okay, then how much faith do you need in order to talk to this sycamine tree and say, be thou plucked up by the root and cast into the sea and it should obey you? How much faith do you think you need? I think they would have said, we need faith the size of Jerusalem in order to do that. But the reality was much different than I think any man would ever understand. He said, if you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, if, implying that they didn't have that, if ye had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could move this tree into the sea. So here's my question. If that's the size of faith that man needs to see the impossible, then how small must our faith be? How small must our faith be when we question whether God's way is better than our way? How small must our faith be? How small must our faith be if we can't even believe that God's will is better than our will? So with this reality in mind, what hope do we have? What hope do we have in this matter of faith? When we look and say, Lord, increase our faith, and he basically looks back and says, you have no idea how much you need to increase your faith. Because if it was just just the tiniest bit, you would see some incredible things. In the eyes of God, our faith must be so infinitesimal. But we have to open our eyes just a little wider and see what Jesus is teaching here. The apostles are concerned about their faith increasing in size, and I don't believe that's a bad thing. I think we should all desire for our faith to increase. I think if you woke up every morning from, if that God gives you from here until you die and say, Lord, increase my faith, I think that would be a good request, especially when we realize just how small our faith must be, even on, even on the good days that we have. But notice how Jesus responds to the request. If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, if you know anything about mustard seed, those aren't very big. I have, this is from the Fijis here. I have this bottle filled with mustard seeds. Who's in the sound booth here? Let's test the zoom on this. Any, can you see that? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody at all? Can you see that? All right, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Tell you what, you can come up and see this, okay, afterwards. You can come up and see this afterwards. It says, if you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Lord, increase our faith. That's a good request. A request that every Christian should ask every day. But notice the Lord's answer. Even if your faith was the size of this tiny grain of mustard seed, God would be able to use that faith to pluck up this tree from the roots and cast it into the sea. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says this, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Yes, Lord, increase our faith. But always remember, God can use even the smallest size of faith as long as it's the right sort of faith. More important than the quantity of your faith is the object of your faith. When our faith is correctly placed, then you see number three, the reward. How many of you consider yourself a chef? You like cooking at home? Maybe you don't consider yourself a chef, but you like cooking at home. Yes, yes? You like looking up recipes, and maybe you watch some videos on YouTube and think, I can do that, and you go and you do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. We found this video of a guy making Chicago deep dish pizza, and you can't find that down here, so we make it ourselves, and we love it. And Miss Tracy and I, my, my day off is Monday of the week. We usually try to make something new. Uh, we love to cook, uh, but there are some chefs that I that I enjoy watching that they can take scraps and make Michelin star dishes out of it. Uh, I've seen someone take, uh, I think it was like arugula and beetroot and some random, th- I think it was tilapia or something, something like that, and just made this beautiful looking dish. That is what God can do with your faith, even a. Sp- of faith when placed in God can be used by God even imperfect faith when placed in God can be used by God think about this when Peter Peter and those disciples saw Jesus walking on the water and they feared and they thought that it was a spirit what did Jesus say to them? fear not it is I and then you know what Peter's answer to him is? Lord if it be thou Jesus just told him, it's me. And Peter says, prove it. (laughs) If it's you, bid me come out on the water. That was imperfect faith. But Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. When that father looked at him and said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Jesus healed that man's son. When those three boys were standing in front of that heathen king, and they said, our God will save us, but if not... We still won't bow down. Jesus walked with them in the flames. Our faith needs to increase. Very much so. But whatever faith you have, put it in the Lord. And he can use it. How long has it been since you saw God do something miraculous in your life? I am guessing it is as long ago as when you asked, Lord, increase my faith. Because if you ask truly, sincerely, Lord, increase my faith, He would do that. If we could measure our faith in some tangible way, I think we would all be ashamed. That's the harsh reality. But what a reward that even the smallest amount of faith God can use if we place it in Him. If we take just a grain of mustard seed size faith, we can see mountains moved and trees uprooted. Think of those two illustrations there. What is a mountain? That is is an insurmountable obstacle. Something that you look at and think, there's no way I'm getting past that. You have some goals in your life that's a mountain. You have some heartaches in your life that's a mountain. A financial hardship or family strife or a trial. That is a mountain in your life. You look at it and you think there's absolutely no way, with a little faith in God, he could move that mountain for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Have you tried to overcome that mountain on your own? How's it going? God's way is always better, but you have to have faith. When he says, stop working and start trusting. Stop moving and stand still. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, sometimes waiting by faith is a lot harder than walking by faith. Sometimes you just got to stand still and let the Lord do the work. Some of you have trees in your life. What's a tree? That's an unmovable circumstance. Things that no matter how much you chop at it and set fire to it and tie ropes to it like Brother Rusty's thing, yank at it, it just stays. It's not moving. No matter what you do, how matter, no matter how, much, how many times you try to cut it down, it just grows back. Bitterness. Some of you have a tree of bitterness in your life. A temper. A temper. Some of you have a tree of habits in your life that you just can't get rid of or an addiction or worries or questions. Things that we say, there's no hope to remove those things from me. They are rooted deep within me. Just a little bit of faith. You could talk to that. Say, be thou plucked up from the roots and be planted in the sea and it should obey you with just a little bit of faith. Church, you are going to need, I'm speaking to you individually right now, you are going to need to remove some trees in your life this year. You know what they are. From the teenagers all the way up to the senior saints, you have trees in your life that need to be removed. They're in the way. If you are going to move forward for the Lord, that has got to go. It's got to be uprooted. Don't just treat the leaves, get down to the roots and get it out going to have to happen. It can happen through faith. Some of you are going to have to move some mountains. Get past some mountains this year. You're going to face some individually. We're going to face some as a church. Not, and We don't just stumble upon them. God leads us to mountains so that he can show us how great he is. Put your faith in him. Come tonight and say, Lord, increase my faith. But whatever faith you have, put it in the Lord and watch him do something great with it.